Pickaxe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Triforce Podcast. Wow. Yeah, we're the, doing it. The most consistent podcast on the internet, TM. We've done it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're more consistent than who are some other big podcasters? Jeez, I've, I've got I no idea. I don't listen to any others, do you? Russell Brand. We're more consistent than Russell Brand. <laughs> what, an acc- a, what an accolade. Very consistent podcaster as well, but I, I think... I like Russell Brand's podcasts, actually. I think, we forgot, I, 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 haven't, I think he stopped, though. I think he stopped for a while. He has, like, he goes on and off. Right. He has, he's become like, um, he had a kid. Okay. And he's become like a Buddhist basically okay and he 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 did a video on youtube talking about how to do meditation and stuff and how right. to do yoga nice and he's got a little big beard now and stuff he's gone a bit mental i think well maybe maybe he's found maybe the opposite he's he's gone a bit you less know what mental. i sense what he's gonna start a cult just like i was saying last week this is his, oh, this is, i yeah. sense i sense a bit of 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 zeal of the recently converted there like you know i definitely I've, I've been a buddhist for five minutes and now everybody needs to be one because it's yeah, so amazing it's fashionable i've got all these cool things to tell you about it and it's changed my life and <laughs> yada 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 that's what i sense that's that's uh-huh. what I'm sensing. Maybe that's just me being cynical, though. Maybe cynical I'm... sips. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I, I got some stick last week because I talked about Mormons, oh, which yeah. I still think was hilarious. But a, so, <laughs> some guy on Twitter was quite upset. Yeah, well, you're uh, not allowed to talk about other people. Well, so. you're not allowed to talk said. about other people's this, this, this beliefs. Is his, uh, this is his comment, which he then edited for some reason. But I, I found it interesting because it's it's a kind of a rambling, an angry comment. Uh, so he says. Cults are just social pyramid schemes. Now, I thought that was like a reasonably interesting statement. Full stop. Mormon is a slur. He then says that Mormon is a slur. I don't think Mormon is a slur. This it's the description of a. Oh, language. do they call it that? Are they saints? Well, it doesn't matter because it, it, if you Google Mormon, it doesn't say this is a slur. Like he says, it's a slur. Just because it's the common term for several religious groups doesn't mean it is okay. Oh. That's definitely not true. Like I've heard lots of people say, "Yes, I'm a Mormon." It would be like saying that referring to someone as a Christian is a slur just because you should call me a Protestant or a Catholic. I I don't don't agree with that. But anyway, he says, especially given the large differences between, and then he says LDS, RLDS, FLDS, which all seem like they have the words Latter-day Saints in. So I don't know what the R or the F stands for. I mean, he's basically saying you can't say Christian. You should say Protestant, Catholic. Baptist, you know, those are the specific versions. They're all pretty much the same thing, guys. Come on. And he says, wow, mm-hmm. almost everything PFLEX said is completely wrong, Raffle. <laughs> you have heard this podcast R- before. Right. Raffle. We talk a lot of shit and we are incredibly hypocritical. Exactly. So yeah. he said he, he watched the South Park episode and didn't even pay attention. Well, I, I, I mean, I missed some of the details. I get that he's generally anti-religion, <laughs> but seriously. You watched yeah, would, would you talk about any other world religion like that? Yes. If you replace the slur, Mormon, with a slur for the Jewish peoples, would the same conversation be acceptable to you? Seriously. The polygamy was needed because it was legal to murder a member of the church at that time. Check it out. Now, I did check that Amazing. out. Amazing. To respond to this specifically, there was a period, I believe it was Missouri, where uh, for four days there was a bill passed that basically said it's open season on Mormons, they either leave or we're going to fucking round them up and kill them, right? This right. one guy passed this this crazy bill, after four days they got rid of it, the Mormons basically left Missouri and went west, end of story. There's no historical evidence that any Mormons were killed as a result of this bill, but obviously if you want to make out that they were persecuted throughout their history, I'm sorry. And also the polygamy... All of our wives were killed! We had to get new ones! <laughs> right, I have so many questions about the polygamy that we had to have polygamy because of... I mean, it, it was it was not legal to murder a, a Mormon. There, there was a very short period in that particular part of Missouri when obviously there was a problem. There was not some nationwide 
Mormon hunt, right, that was going on. And uh, I just think it's funny because the polygamy was around with Joseph Smith. He was married a bunch of times, a bunch of times. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't open season. He was tarred and feathered because people thought he was an idiot and a con man and a liar. Well, I and mean, all this. weirdly, you know, I Jesus. think calling it, calling it LDS, right, is is even... Uh, that reminds me of LRH, you know, like L. Ron Hubbard from yeah, Scientology. I think it's so. an incredibly culty-sounding, like, pseudonym. If you have to acronymize your religion, maybe shorten the name. If it's that long, just chill. And I, I also think, I just think it's funny that he, he wants to make out like Mormons are persecuted. They're all pretty well-off dudes, as I understand it. You go over there, it's like, you know, the Midwest... They're all white and they wear nice suits and shirts and ties and they give Bibles away for free. They got free. their own state. They do lots of fundraisers as well. Yeah. Lots and lots of fundraisers. They got a whole state. Isn't Utah basically the Mormon state? Is that right? Pretty much, yeah. They can pretty much do what they want. They got a state. Wow. They moaning about. So yeah. <laughs> I got no problem. I've met some Mormons there. You know, they're pretty chill. But they always say like, yeah, I'm a Mormon. Like, oh. You know, because they're obviously racist Mormons. The ones you like, I've, I've, I've never had a Mormon knock on the door because if they don't come this far, but I've had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on the door before. And stuff. Uh, yeah, just we, think, we get Jehovah's Witnesses too. They're always really smiley and creepy as well. Yeah, of course, I, dude. I don't know what they're hoping to accomplish by knocking on my door at nine o'clock in the morning hoping. on a Saturday. It's crazy. I'll tell you what they're hoping. The same thing all these religious people are hoping God's favor. That's it. No, they're just, you know what they're hoping for? They're hoping to catch you like on a bad day when yeah, you're like what depressed do or, what do they you know, you, you just lost your dog or something. And then that's when they swoop in and mind right, but control that's my you. My point is that their motivation, there are two motivations. Number one, it says in the Bible, you've got to proselytize. You've got to go out and tell people about God, right? So you obviously right. got to do that to please God. Exactly. It doesn't say, it doesn't say this is a really good thing to do and you might help people. It just says you must do it because God says so. And only once everybody has heard the word of God will the second coming happen. So their mission is to make sure everybody hears it because that's when God will come back. Like, there's no fucking benevolence to it. They just know they've got to get the word out there. Bam, 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 hit them. Get those numbers up, people. Let's move. We've got to get streets A through Z. Go, 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 go. <laughs> I think just my, on a mission. I, I think my big beef with religion is that I get the I get the feeling that people who are doing all this stuff are doing it to like get favor uh, for the for the afterlife, right? Exactly. Like everything they're doing is just like, oh well, there's no way I'm going to hell. Like I'm going to be going to the <laughs> I'm going to heaven. I'm going to the palace, and I'm going to do God like be so nice happy. things for eternity and stuff. I'm so give my own locker space. It Open just heaven. seems a bit. I, I I don't know. It doesn't I don't know, seem like okay. That's so, that's the feeling I get. I'm I'm you know. A part of my ignorance. I'm sure that people are going to disagree, but that's how I, I perceive think that it. That is an incredibly that is an incredibly powerful tool that has kept people in religion. That that fear that if they don't do this, then they'll have you know they'll they'll fuck it up in the future. But I think part of it is not that necessarily that selfish thing. I think like when I see a guy in town like. You know, in the middle of in the middle of the shopping center, like yelling through Christian a, stuff or through a megaphone. Yeah, that's how you spread the word of God. And he's like, "Listen to me, the word, the word of God the is word awesome. of Christ is fantastic, and you will all be going to hell." But usually, actually, these guys are more actually genuinely concerned about us that they that they genuinely think I am going to hell. When I walk past a guy in the street, he thinks I'm going to hell, and he doesn't want me to go to hell. Actually, because most people. People are nice. I'd like to know. Does he know for sure, though? I mean, that's he's very convinced. It's a kind of shitty I, way to be, isn't it? Like, it's very judgmental. Who the fuck is this guy to say that you're going to hell or not? Like, what well, what he's insider fucking info does he have? What, like, God appeared to him in a vision and told him specifically that you're going to hell because you haven't listened to his megaphone broadcasts? Well, I guess it's more that he that somebody told him who was authoritative enough to convince him that he believes them and he follows that. So. Imagine if you had someone who you believe everything they say Mrs. told F. you something. <laughs> yeah, my and wife. You were like fully convinced of that, you know. And <laughs> 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 I, th I think, like, for me, uh, okay, I think I figured it out, guys. So, you know. Lewis those... has figured it out. I, I don't think it. Lewis I'm, I'm... has figured it out. <laughs> figured it I'm out not confident in your figuring it out. I don't think you figured it out somehow. <laughs> Listen, Break it down, you know, for us, baby boy. Those, 
Nigerian like phone scams or or, or um or yes, email scams I'm very with familiar the, with, with them, the, yes. With, with the prince, right? Yeah. And who says, Oh <laughs> the yes, prince. there is like thirteen million dollars in escrow and all this shit and yeah. we have to whatever. All that shit. Those things are so shittily done that only the dumbest people fall for them. Okay. okay. That's the same with Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh right? my god, Lewis. They, it's so badly done, and everyone knows that they're coming around yeah. doing this thing. It, everyone knows it's bollocks, except for that very small percentage of people who fall for it. And the thing is, like, the reason those Nigerian scams are so bad is because they want to filter out everyone who's going to fuck with them or waste their time. Right? They really only want that one percent of absolute schmucks yeah. who are the most vulnerable people, actually, or the most kind of like like elderly people who don't know what they're doing. Or a lonely, or like. Lewis, um, did you? Are you trying to tell us you fell for a Nigerian scam? That's so basically, yeah. I'm now a Mormon. Guys. Yeah, you feel bad. <laughs> and, uh, well, anyway, welcome to the Triforce Podcast, proudly sponsored this week by Jehovah's Witnesses, by the uh, Association of, of America. Yeah, and the uh, and the Church of the of the Holy Redeemer, Latter Day Saints, and um, the Mormons. We used to. Have, I don't know if you remember Flax when you were in North America. Maybe you're too young, but they used to always have those commercials on TV. Yes, I was literally of, uh, just thinking about them because they the they were Mormons, on all the time. The Church well, of Jesus the Church Christ of, of Latter Day Saints. Saints. Yeah, Jesus the Christ Mormons. of Latter Day Saints. Yeah, yeah, Every, and like they always have the like a kid helping a, an old woman rake leaves in her front yard and stuff. It was always. It always, for some reason, it was always very autumn in all of the ads too. It was never like a hot, blazing summer. It was always, <laughs> it was always autumn. There was the always Mormons in the, in the ads were never just sticky with sweat, dripping, yeah. looking exhausted. They've yeah. been through a hundred houses of people telling them, "Get out of here, fucking Mormons! I wish it was still legal to kill you, you polygamous <laughs> bastards! Get out of Missouri!" <laughs> That's not in the advert. Yeah, no. So it's always it was always somebody raking leaves or helping put leaves into garbage bags. You know they, they always they always make me they always make me think of dentistry for some reason when dentistry, I when I think yeah. of Mormons that kind of sterile. It's gonna hurt, and you. But they're still kind of nice about it, kind of thing. It's like this well, weird uh, dentistry thing. I can't put I, my I, finger on it. That, the thing is, I'm not. I'm not anti-religion. I'm not. I. I. I don't know. Like, I don't know where I stand on it. I have opinions. Um, well, me too. For and against, obviously, and I don't know where that puts me. Like, I. I'm not sure if I I strictly believe in God like a glowing man in space or in heaven or whatever. You know, like I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if that exists. But the idea that people are religious and they form a community around it and they provide things, services to the community, like support and help and a place for people to gather and uh, be together and do stuff, that I'm all for. I think that that side and of it is fantastic. What? This is extremely difficult to calculate, right? The positive impacts of religion are, are many-fold. They're generally very positive, high, very nice people. I worked for the church for a couple of years. I worked uh, in an office doing admin for the Church of England at Chelmsford Cathedral, right? And um, I did it when I came out from university. I was very depressed. And um, that's how they get you. upset. And well, no, but I was I was just temping at the time. I worked in um, Broomfield Hospital for a bit, doing like um, taking like doctors' notations. So I'd, I'd translate like what the doctors had written down into like, like in <laughs> that's, that's a tough job. <laughs> and I and it was nonsense. And it was yeah. so difficult to do. Anyway, I did that for a bit, and I did all these other shitty temp jobs. And then I ended up working, getting a temp job at the church, and they were like, "Do you want to work here?" And I was like, "Sure." And they're all incredibly awesome people who are very almost just 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 they want to make good and 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 they're very generous with their time they're always volunteering for positive things in the community they're a good group of friends they're very supportive they raise money for so many good causes they keep these old buildings you know up upkeep and keep them all good and they run these local events and it's very british you know that there's a church fate on the on the village green or that there's a thing raising a priest raising money for the steeple it's very kind of it's very nice, right? It's very postman and, pad, and, isn't it? And to weigh that up against all the negative stuff that you hear about religion, from, yeah. you know, paedophile priests to, you know, sort of horrible fucking genital mutilation going on in Africa and all sorts of awful stuff. Like, it's very hard to, like, think, put these things in the same basket and say, is this is this, is this this good or bad? Like, 
do we is it worth chucking the whole thing out or is there some way to salvage it or how do we get rid of the bad bits and keep the good bits you know yeah like, i just feel like, like people are so fundamentally fucked up it's impossible to have something nice in this world consistently nice like yeah. free from any form of corruption or or just general shittery like you know what i mean it'd be cool if 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 religion was this sort of bastion of, of peace and understanding and a safe place for people. But when once you get people involved, it's it never is, is it? There's always some fucking asshole trying to create his power silo or, you know, do a financial scam or molest somebody or whatever, you know, and it, it just ruins it all, all it, every time. Like, so like everything, it, it's a nice idea that someone and a lot of someones are going to fuck it up in a big yeah. way, right? It sounds there's always nice. going to be people sounds fucking it nice, up. But right? yeah. in, in any company, in any corporate company, there's going to be bad people running it or doing it or in it and there's, like there's not the fault one. of the company great idea on paper sounds like a big <laughs> all these fucking guys they fucked it up oh my god oh man it's 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 a tough one right anyway let's let's uh let's move on um i had i had a thing that i read on reddit today and i think this comes from being a hypocrite already because i can't write but i was reading um writing prompts okay Okay. And there was a writing prompt. Give me a writing prompt, Lewis, right now. And I'll Reddit. freewheel right. the story for you. Yeah. All right, go. good. Death, this was on posted 21 hours ago, but obviously it's a week ago. Death has hourglasses for every person. One day during cleaning, he finds a dust-covered one that had rolled under his desk. <gasps> okay? Yeah. Go for it, P-Flex. Free ball it. You want me to come up with a story based around the, the, the fact that death basically lost track? Yeah. Okay. Well, you can... It's the prequel to Coco, Disney Pixar's Coco, where the old grandma is clearly about 500 years old and the hourglass for Coco, the grandma, right. I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen the movie, but that's the grandma, um, was just sort of forgotten about. And then mm. when he found the hourglass, boom, Coco died. Damn. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I probably would. I'm not going to actually like try to 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 come up with all the words because that that I don't want to type. It's too loud. But well, no. Okay, first I'll of give all... you my rough story outline. I wouldn't begin with with that opening. I would I would start with. Well, you death. have to though. It's a prompt. Right, but I would start with death holding an hourglass covered in dust, and then oh, you, you go you, for the dramatic sort yeah, of. Yeah, you, you kind of setup. work back, and he's thinking about things like. His cleaner and stuff like that. So the 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 end of the story should be the fact that he realizes that he you know he he's debating in his mind is it fair at this point? But then he's debating surely all death is essentially unfair. So does it matter if it comes unexpectedly? And in a way, they've had more time. How does he make up for his mistake? Does he have a master? Like there are exactly. lots of questions. There's that a I'd lot like of deep stuff here. So well, let me just that's a, that's stop not you one you, you can just started. come up with. Oh, go on. You've so, already cracked it. I've cracked well, the death story, everybody. Lewis Brindley has cracked the story. Here we go. It's, it, I I was. Uh, relaxing in the evening, reading Reddit. This was on this writing prompt was on the front page. I thought that sounds yeah. really interesting. Gently and slowly masturbating. Just I was to... just going to say, surely there's some hand cream involved here. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just I'm just thinking because I don't really read writing prompts, and maybe it's a place where people were learning to write. Okay. Right. Maybe English isn't their first language, and I'm going to take that. But I feel like if you're writing something on writing prompts, you should at least give it a little bit of a proof. Now, obviously, we live in the days <laughs> of spell checking. Okay, so it's very hard to make spelling mistakes, but it is very easy to make grammar mistakes, right? And you think that maybe if you're going to post a thing, which isn't very long, it's like three paragraphs, you might spell like like grammar check the first right, sentence. Right, right. The first sentence right. of the most upvoted comment All right, hit us. on this thread, which has 14,000 upvotes. Let's hear it. Is this. Do you want to hear it? Yep. Yeah. The actor stood, answered the knock at his trailer door. When he saw who it was that knocked, he said, I wondered when you would show up. Want to come in? Death nodded his skeletal head and said, yes. The two took seats, the actor in his chair and the skeleton on a long couch. It, I mean, first of all, obviously there like was some grammatical, there was a grammatical error in the very first Okay, it's poorly written, and it carries on Death with, with that level of poorly. Slowly moved his head downwards to look at a shifting mass between his legs, <laughs> and said, 
cup the balls work the shaft. <laughs> I love the way Jeff is a skeleton. He's still got a big old chub on. Death is Sylvester Stallone. Oh, we cracked man. it. We now cracked it. The, the next one, okay, is just take, like what period would have started this with. Cup the you balls. I'm afraid you got to cup the balls and work the shit. Part of the process. The, the hour you don't cut those balls, I'll give you a war you won't believe. <laughs> cup those balls. Yes, Mr. Stallone. Call me dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Are you ready? Stallone. Right, I'm ready. Stallone. The hourglass had rolled to his side, its content perfectly balanced on both sides. A potential eternity in the shape of a few still grains of sand. Death rolled it between his fingers, the dry, bleached bones clicking against dusty, bubbly glass. The sand inside was a dark, coarse thing, tinged with the black of volcanic ashes and the red of granite, spelled wrong, dust, clumped by <laughs> How time. How is granite spelt? Um, G-R-A-N-I-T-E. With no E. Gra- no e. Oh, with no E. Oh my God, that's a big no-no. And I mean, that wouldn't have, that would have gone through spell check, right? Yeah. I mean, okay, let me get the next one. The Grim Reaper tracked down the rightful owner, or maybe the rightful property, of the hourglass. What? He took a moment to consider whether the human owns the hourglass or the hourglass owns them. After all, can something that controls fate really be called your property? Oh, give me it, a break. It's exactly, P-Flex. These are the best ones. I was like, come on, there's such a good prompt here. But it's yeah. all like, Peter woke up. He looked down under his desk and there was an H-shaped glass object there. Peter, also known as Death, picked up it and looked at it with his empty eye sockets into the dark blackness of the twilight realm in which he secretes spirits away to take them from the mortal man. Thomas Mann woke up in his bed and said, what a lovely day it is today. I hope I don't die. But little did he know, Peter Death would be opening the door to his house. This isn't, oh, this isn't an actual Peter story. Peter Death, said Thomas Mann. It is you. Yes, it is I, Peter Death. Death. No, Look you're at making my robes this one up. That are spiraling with the blackness of a thousand nights. It's like. You're, you're it's, making that one up, right? Of course I am. Okay. I, it's bold like that, though. That was it's good. Like that a was five well year old into that. nonsense. That's, that's a pretty good made up. I, I thought you were reading. Yeah. Pete the Death. Oh, is, that was some real freewheeling shit. It's like shit. Gordon Freeman's brother. <laughs> oh. I mean, the thing is, though, props props to these people for coming out, though, right? Like, if you like writing and... I shouldn't be a hypocrite. Props to them for revealing to the world that they can't write for shit. Well done. Oh, come on. You can't be that... (laughs) It must be practice, right, for these wannabe writers, but... Yeah, they're just kids, man. I mean, I... You know, Jesus Christ. Look at my writing. It's fucking... It's terribly written. It's just... If if you enjoy it, just fucking do it. But if it's on the internet, I'm going to flame it. I mean, that's part of the though. That's self-aware. Like, um, maybe these guys aren't expecting it, but... But the amount of cocksucking that goes on in the comments on these threads as well, it's like, oh, this is the most best thing I've ever read. I burst into tears. I'm like, uh, that, what, I read what? it's like that about everything, though. Like you, literally somebody accidentally falls asleep at their keyboard and, you know, a string of random characters and that gets gilded and upvoted to hell. Like it's, you know, it's people that's love Reddit that. for you. They some of these ones are multiple upvotes, gold. Some of these stories I'm like, what the fuck? I think Lewis was annoyed oh. that it felt like a waste of a good resource. Like, here's yeah. this good prompt, here's this great tool that Reddit could be, and instead you got people upvoting and masturbating about about something that's objectively bad. And, and I understand that, that frustration. Those three I read were three times gold, one gold, and one gold, that's with pretty a, millions, thousands, of, tens of thousands of upvotes between them. And it's like, there's a mistake in the first sentence. I mean, come <laughs> fucking on. Do you know have what you I guys, mean? Give me a fucking break. Have you guys noticed, by the way, that when you start a mail in Gmail now, as you're typing, it tries to auto-complete words for you oh like predictive text. Yeah. You know what I love about Gmail? I love those. I love the um, the automatic responses to emails. Like oh, yeah. it can, you can detect do. the tone. <laughs> yes, I would love to do that! Exclamation mark! I, I use them all the time. I, I I'm tempted great. to use it, but then I realize other people will recognize these phrases and think that lazy bitch just fucking pushed yes that or just, no. Just one one button pushed uh, for a reply on that one. It's like a they, big. Also, there's well no smiley faces. Email. Everyone knows I use. I only 
only communicate in smiley faces these days. That's what you do in 2018. I, I like to end most of my sentences with lol and then <laughs> smiley faces as well. I use That's ruffle now, too. even in formal no, I just I just go lol. Even when it's not not funny, it's like, hey, long time no talk, lol. Um, <laughs> lol. Hope, hope you're doing well. Uh, my, my, my recovery from my debilitating diseases... Going as well as expected, lol. Lamau. Lamau, yeah. I guess maybe it's because I've been a little bit disappointed with actual books lately as well, though. I finished um, Brandon Sanson's Oathbringer, and I found, it a, I found it a little bit of a struggle to get through at points. And I've just started reading um, some other stuff, and I, I, I'm, I'm struggling God, to, to I haven't get read anything it. for a long time. I go through phases, though. Like, my whole life is, is weird phases. And they're, like, seasonal, too. Like, yeah. I find... Sort of at the end of the summer, September going into October, I want to play a very mindless, grindy game. Like, and if I look back two, three years, those are the times where I played a lot of Diablo, a lot of Overwatch, and like it, it, it's it's crazy. Like, I can I, I can see these patterns like all the time. I find after Christmas, like March going into like June, I am more up for like you know a bunch of different games and stuff. Usually over the summer, I tend to watch a lot more TV and movies and stuff, but there's no time in the year for me now right. uh, to read books. Like that's yeah. not part of my cycle unless something really awesome comes by. But yeah. I, I have actually reread a couple of books um, that I've, I had read some time ago. I, I reread um, The Curious Incident of the, the Dog in the Nighttime, which I recommend. I think we spoke about it previously. Um, maybe we didn't. I, I have a, a, a friend of uh, Mrs. F's. Her her, um, her her child is autistic, and the the character, the main character in um, Curious Incident, is autistic. And it's an interesting look inside the the mind of someone suffering from um, <clears throat> quite debilitating, you know, levels of, of autism. Um, but they're all very different. Uh, so I had a lot of questions for my friend, and I said, you know, uh, can you hug your child? She was like, absolutely, she loves hugs, but you can't kiss her, because then she's just wiping the part of the face where you've kissed her for like an hour, because she's like convinced there's still something on there and stuff. So it's like, I, I thought it was interesting to read that now, knowing someone who's autistic. So I thought yeah, that yeah. was interesting. Uh, and I'm also, I reread The Godfather, which is just, honestly, if you haven't read the book, it's it's excellent. Because um, it's like Godfather 1 and 2 in one book uh, and goes right. into a bit more detail. So that's very good. And those are both sort of classic books, I'd say. Uh, sort of modern classics, if you like. Um, so, And then neither of them is particularly long, especially Curious Incident isn't very long at all. Um, so those are both worth a read if you haven't read those, I would say. Do you okay. think like, we could get like Gmail to write something? Like, I, well, like you know what? Book, I, was, you I was thinking about the Gmail thing, and I, I, I quite like <clears throat> the fact that I mean, you, there's no penmanship anymore. Like I used to, I, I used to know people's handwriting because you'd get a letter from someone, you'd know straight away who it was from from the 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 address. You know, you'd recognize the handwriting. Like I recognize my mum's handwriting, my sister's handwriting, Mrs. F's handwriting, and a couple Dear of other people. Master <laughs> Flax, <laughs> well, my salutations to you once again. <laughs> it is I, Lol. <laughs> on this Lol. on this Christmas Day evening. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. penmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's, so, that's, so that's, the thing is, I think that at least in emails, people have a style of writing, uh, whether it be putting "lol" after everything or whatever. Yeah. But if you have all this predictive text stuff, much like the one-button replies, I feel like it's going to make it a lot more uniform. Uh, so people aren't going to have necessarily their own writing style. There's going to be a lot of people hitting tab to autocomplete words and stuff like that, which is a shame. But then, and it also, you know, nobody's going to be able to fucking spell. Like you know, yes, that sounds good. Sent from my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just think it's kind of removing any humanity left from communication by just saying, you know what, we can automate all of this. Like there's that that Google Assistant that will make appointments for you at the hairdressers and things like that. If you didn't yeah. see that video, check it out. Um, I've actually got one of these right open in front of me now, and the options to reply to this fucking email are awesome, thanks for the info, sounds good to me, or that would be great, thank you. They're all so positive. And do you know what? Weirdly, actually, since this has been put in, I have been clicking them more. I have actually been using these fucking Gmail things, and it has made me more 
nice than I would normally. Because maybe normally you I'd be can like, get a, like an an add on to make it uh, negative and have street slang in there as well. Yeah. So like oh, yeah. instead That's of it a, being like chirpy and positive and accepting of what's in the email, it could be like. You better go somewhere with that motherfucking bullshit and stuff like that, you know? Like that would yes. be great. There is there is a there's a Chrome attachment, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there are there are Chrome plugins for everything. You get a Chrome plugin to please please uh make my emails a bit more street smart and give them some slang. Look. Yeah, you can put some slang in there. Put some negativity in here. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to say cynic, no, this is not good plug-in. enough. Yeah, instead of plug-in. awesome. What thanks, about some Cockney rhyming slang? Like a plug-in <laughs> for that would be really good too. I think right. that that would be pretty funny. Like you could reply to all of your emails like Phil Mitchell from the hit series EastEnders on BBC One, proudly sponsoring this podcast as oh, well. Man. Can you imagine if EastEnders sponsored this podcast? Yeah. Think of the new viewers or listeners we'd get. That would be completely flummoxed. Yeah, they wouldn't Can get it. Can you fuck it out of it? I don't understand a fucking word they're bloody saying. These lads are all from bloody rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old China. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm not, not giving any bees and honey to these fucking mugs. <laughs> bees and honey. <laughs> fucking mugs. money, isn't it? These fucking <laughs> slags. <laughs> uh, so it's cold and flu season, guys. How are you faring? Because uh, I'm I'm on my deathbed here. Yeah, I've, I've been, been sick, sick for about, for about a week. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Two Why weeks. is it I'm cold and flu weeks. season? It's fucking, what's that? What's, what do you mean? The weather's it... turned. Kids are back at school. You, two weeks after Don't they you, get back Didn't you school? get a whole bunch of um, pamphlets in your mail saying to get your vaccinations and stuff and get your kids vaccinated and vaccinate your dog and vaccinate your mailman and vaccinate <laughs> any, your butt. Any Mormons that come to the house, <laughs> yeah, vaccinate yeah, any, those guys. Yeah, just vaccinate the world. We We all need to be vaccinated again. For the for the flu. I mean, I, I, you have to have your flu thing like annually, like a top up to try and stop you getting the flu. Getting I, the I've flu, never yeah. personally had it. The kids get it. Mrs. F gets it. But for some reason, I just can't be bothered to walk five minutes to the chemist to prevent two weeks of miserable flu in the middle oh, of the, the, the year. I don't know why though. I can't be bothered. But oh, I hate getting sick. I like I've been sick recently, and it started on my way back from Oktoberfest. I was in Gatwick Airport. Yeah. I was just sitting there watching uh, this documentary that I've been watching. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking the biggest documentary I've ever watched. It's really good. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Okay. But um, and then all of a sudden my nose just started fucking pouring with like Ugh. you know clear liquid <laughs> snot. Ugh. So like I was, I had this mountain of tissues next to me where I was like blowing my nose constantly. <sighs> Got on the plane and that made it even worse. I was Ugh. all sinusy when I got home. I had the shivers, I had the sweats. You name it, fuck. Brother, it I've, I've been there with you for two weeks. It sucks. Oh, I think God. I'm coming to the end of it. But you know that moment. I'm sorry to get graphic, but you know that moment when you're blowing your nose and everything's clear for a week and everything's fine. You think, okay, it's not going to be a, an infection of some kind, and then suddenly you get that really horrible bogies, the yellow bogies, and you yes. think this is this is a bad sign because I yeah. really don't want this to get worse. No. I thought I was getting better, but now I'm worried. But then I'm thinking maybe this is like the late stage and it's the last battle, the last battle. Or maybe great it's battle. like another one that just like Exactly, another one in. snuck in there. It was like, this is, the, yeah. is this the end of the last one or the beginning of a, a whole new horror? A whole so like, new have, horror. Have they escalated the war now? And they, yeah. just as we were fighting the back, they brought in some yellow reinforcements. You're like, what the fuck? And your body's yeah. like, no. We're on DEFCON 1 all of a sudden. We're going to have to pull, sudden, back, yeah. pull back to the original positions. You're like, but we're giving up a week's worth of land. We lost so many white blood cells. With pull back, pull back. Everybody runs back. <laughs> Mortars covering fire, smoke grenades. They all dig Resume in. Resume the bombing campaign not the bombing campaign so please we lost so many no get on it now Ah! so anyway i'm watching this documentary on netflix it is a 10 part series and each episode is between like an hour and a half and two hours is it the vietnam one it is yeah 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 it's good isn't it oh fuck it's really good it's uh it's crazy and unbelievable and just Really well done. Really well done. I like all the stories of like yeah. the people that went and, uh, you know, the just like the just the general heartbreak behind all of it's, it. It's and terrible. It was terrible. It really was. It was terrible. a real landmark. And, in, and the in worst, the, the thing that surprised me the most is that they learned nothing from the French doing the exact same thing like 
10 years before they started. Like the, like, like the French literally went through all of the same motions and all of the same disapproval back home. They lost a ton of troops. They spent a ton of money just trying to keep this this country subjugated and and they couldn't do it. it I was think just, it's a combination of a lot of, there's arrogance has to be factored in there. We yeah, never lost sure. the war. We're America. How can we lose to Vietnam? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there, there's arrogance in there. There's also a lot of political pressure. This has to work, despite the fact it's almost impossible really yeah. to win that kind of war. Like you had this army and all these generals and everything and this whole structure coming off the back of World War One, World War Two, Korea, and they were more, much more conventional wars. Yes. That they had won. Yeah. And it's like, this has worked for us for a very long time. There's no reason to think it'll be any different here. Well, and, I guess those wars sudden, all had, had fronts different. and, exactly. you know. Exactly. An it, enemy it, that wore things, a uniform, you had fronts, it, you had, there were no tunnels, there were no booby traps. It wasn't, it yeah, wasn't like yeah, that. Yeah, no, Vietnam was just unbelievable. Well, actually, there crazy. were booby traps. There were booby traps in World War Two, but there were minefields. You know, it was yeah, like a minefield rather yeah. than you walk into a village and some kid throws a grenade, uh, you know, at you. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And it's like, and also there were, I think the conscription for World War II was we're going to go fight the good fight. And it's like, we have to defeat these guys. They're the baddies. And we've yeah. got other friends who were also on the side of right. And we're going to defeat these baddies and we're going to free everybody. And it's going to be great. This was much more difficult because it, it, they, originally, they didn't have conscription, then they needed more people, and it dragged on, and it was getting less and less popular. It's yeah, just and their support for, this, for the South was was insane, really, when you think that not, not a single government in the South of Vietnam was ever even remotely credible. Like, they were just, you know, generals, corrupt as shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it never they never had anyone decent running the South, yet they were still, you know, fighting for it because they were just so afraid of communism causing a domino effect in Asia. and Yeah, it was like know. a proxy war, really. It was, I it mean, was, yeah. It was a reason to have a war without nuclear confrontation. It's yeah, interesting, because it obviously... I'd, I'd known about Vietnam. Like, we learned about it in school, obviously, and stuff. Like, I went to, like, you know, school in North America, so we, we had, like, a big fucking um, module on it at, at school. And Did Canada send troops? Did Canada? Because Britain enough about didn't. It. Canada didn't send troops, but Canadians volunteered to fight right. in Vietnam. So there was, I think there was something like 30,000 Canadians wow. uh, volunteered to, to fight in Vietnam. Because you could dodge uh, the draft by going it was, Canada, yeah, right? it was a big thing dodging the draft and going to Canada at the time, which I didn't realize. But um, but yeah, a lot of people, uh, as sort of like uh, discontent with the war um, escalated and escalated and ex escalated, more and more people were just like, you know, fuck this, I'm not going. Like they did like the draft um, lottery thing Nixon did, you know, where it was like if you were born in this uh, aid, like date range or whatever, you had to go. Didn't matter wow. what class you were from and stuff. So all of a sudden, like all these people who were sure that they wouldn't ever get drafted, who right. were just going to go to school and be doctors and stuff like that, were like, yeah, okay, well, you're drafted. So that's a lot, what of, a lot of people volunteered. I mean, there were people that signed up because they believed in it. Yeah. And they, you know, this, they, there was that kind of, I, I want to, I don't want to be a, a coward if you like, even though I think yeah. being, yeah. being signed up to go and fight a war that you don't agree with. I mean, Jesus, that's a fucking, that's crazy. But they don't, I don't know. Like, I think like later on it was like that, but at first it was very much, you know, the day and age was, you know, I, I believe what the president's saying, like, why, yeah. why would he lie to us sort of thing? Like, I'm going to serve my country. It's going to be glorious. You know, like they, they had all like the sort of right ideas, but uh, when they got there and did their tours and stuff, they sort of realized that, holy shit, what a fucking mess yeah, this is. We can't win this. And yeah, this is yeah. a fucking disaster. Everybody oh, hates us God. here, and we're just losing people. That's and we're crazy. Not doing, we're not achieving anything. You're not gaining no, ground, yeah. you know. Yeah. But they had all it's, kinds of all kinds of crazy schemes, and they had this idea for the sort of fortified hamlet, which is oh, an yeah, idea where was, you, you get was, a village yeah, and you convert them to yeah. your side, and then you know that you win the hearts and minds that way because it doesn't work and. It might have been a little bit of like the wire too, with like the stats reporting and the body right. counts and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. You know, like how how it, it it went from being about something to just being some statistical right gaming. You know what I mean? Like, and it also, was just, if you think about the war now, in in like in a, in a war now, people would have video cameras and things on them. Even the soldiers would be able to film yeah, yeah. stuff, vlogs and stuff like that. It would be much harder to to. Uh, to silence people 
Whereas back then, you the the papers were still that they put out to the 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 troops were still like basically propaganda talking about how they were winning the war and all the rest of it. So it's just crazy to think it's such a weird time. You know, when I was growing up in Queens, one of our neighbours, uh, Jimmy, who was an Irish guy, like full Irish accent, actually hundred percent Irish, but was an American citizen, fought in Vietnam. He actually went out there, so he told that's, us like that's... what it was like. Yeah, and he he was on the base, like he wasn't one of the grunts that went out into the field. I think he was one no, of the, yeah. the rear echelon motherfuckers, as they call them, the remphs. So I don't know what he specifically did. He worked at computing at that time, but I don't think they had computers out in Vietnam. Anyway, he said like when the base would come under attack, you'd be asleep and you'd hear the attack, and you just have to put on whatever you could find to hand. Like, they generally just put on their shirt and run out butt naked from the waist down and just fighting for their lives because if the base got overrun, they'd all be killed. So yeah. I, I, my main thing as a child was not, wow, they fought in a war, but naked? You know, that was what I couldn't believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all these guys running around with their dicks swinging around, shooting people. It was like oh, fucking unbelievable. My my son's starting to learn about they they they're teaching history you know to 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 six year olds you know so it's very basic history but they I think they've they've started teaching him or mentioning World War One and and my son's questions about it are are hilarious because it's like <laughs> you you can't really convey how horrific a war is to a child right so he thinks that there's and i guess to some degree he's right there are sort of rules and stuff around wars you know like there's conventions established to prevent or hopefully prevent people from um taking things like too far or, or like against civilians especially and stuff like that but his questions are all like like he thinks it's like a nine to five job sort of thing. And, <laughs> and I guess sometimes it, maybe it is a little bit like that too. Um, Cause like soldiers have to sleep at some point, but like he, I get the impression that he thinks that like at five o'clock when it's all done, like, both teams just sort of hook up and like talk <laughs> about things that have happened and have right. these agreements to like with each other, like not to shoot certain things. Like he just can't understand how brutal and savage people can be. You know what I mean? Like, especially during a war like, or in some sort of like combat zone or whatever. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to hear in some ways because you want to correct him and, and, and really sort of drum into him that it, hey, you know, war the world is, is not a terrifying answer, and a horrible never, place. Never yeah. ever get in a situation where you have to go to a war because I'd be worried sick and stuff like that. But he's got that childhood innocence and, you know, the sort of ideas he gets from watching cartoons and movies and TV shows. It's where, weird because, you know what, yeah. it's funny you say that, that you do get conflict happening a lot, in even in kids' shows. There's generally, it's a battle between good and evil. Yeah. And the, children at a young age have an idea of conflict. They, I mean, there's when I was a kid, I'm sure you guys were the same, half the games you played in the playground were war of some kind. Of you know, course, yeah. Sides and, this, and shooting each other and stuff like that. But I wonder it, what... What preparation does that really give for when you're 18 and you're conscripted or no, 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 19, as they were in Vietnam, and dropped into battle with this very childlike image of what war must be like? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, it fucking sucks. Like, it's yeah. not fun or action. It's <laughs> no. literally miserable, grinding horror for, for, yeah. for the entire time I'm here. And I could die at any minute. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst things. People's expectation, the way we socialize and normalize war to the actual yeah. grim reality, people have no fucking idea. I like, feel I mean, that's bad why for veterans come back and they're like, I literally can't talk to anyone about it because you would not understand. No, and, and not like, just that. Like, you know, even in that documentary, I, I was I, I was surprised. You know, you hear people that come back from wars and they've got post-traumatic stress, which probably wasn't diagnosed properly back then. Uh, or you know even in like the in the world wars yeah. and stuff but the 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 long term effects of um being in 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 a war being in combat uh, taking another life uh, you know like all of these things uh, they they fuck you up for the rest of your life yeah, you know yeah, like for real. there's a guy in the documentary that said that he was so petrified you know some nights they were they'd sleep in the jungle and you, you'd hear whispering all over the place. And it was, you know, Viet Cong, like, moving and whispering. And he was just terrified. And he can't sleep without a nightlight now, like, for the rest of his life. He's actually, like, a grown man afraid of the dark. And his kids 
grew up, you know, as babies, whatever, had light, night lights, and then they were like weaning them off the night lights. And the kids were like, "Well, how come? How come Dad still has gets to have a night light?" And it's like, "Well, because he's fucking traumatized for the rest of his Your life." Your dad's because- seen some shit, okay, kids. Your dad has seen some shit. Like I, you know, I, yeah, I don't grim. think that people back then, when they signed up, thought about all this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just crazy. I think every, I think everyone, it, war is glamorized to get people to, to sign up for it, and the, the people in the know end up dodging the draft like like Trump did, you know, with a with saying he had bone spurs in his foot or whatever, or you know, the rich people end up getting out, you know. All you need yeah. is a, a, a good paid doctor to say no, he can't go to war. He's got, he a, got a headache, bad toe, and that bad toe ain't getting any better. You want to send a man into combat with a bad toe? He's going to jeopardize the defensive posture of his entire unit. <laughs> Grappling about that toe. Here's the situation. It's the middle of the night. He's in the jungle. Ow, my toe hurts. Gives away the enemy's, the position of the enemy. Whole squad lost. Catch on this man to be suicide. <laughs> Thanks, Doc. Here's $10,000. Oh, exactly. my God. And, and I think, like, every war is different as well in, in horrible ways. You know, no one knows why. No, no one necessarily knows which... You know, Vietnam was different to Korea, was different to World War II in, in different ways. Korea different parts is the forgotten World war, II, war, man. People never fucking talk about Korea, which is bizarre because it was it, horrendous. Korea was a two-parter though, right? Like the first part um, was against North Korea, but then North Korea had China come in and support them. And then they... And Russia. So I think at first North Korea lost a bunch of territory and then China sort of came in and said, okay, well, we'll help you take it all back. And then... They they took it all back, yeah, sort of thing. But yeah, you you barely ever hear about the Korean War. It was War. a very strange stalemate because China didn't want you know uh, a sort of a, a U.S. backed country on their border, yeah. but they also didn't really want you know North Korea to be you know. I mean, in a way, like it's probably a good. I mean, look at if we if we if if we I say we as in like I suppose Britain did did actually fight in the Korean War to some extent, but. If, you know, look at how look at the look at the world we have today with North Korea and South Korea. Obviously, on one hand, we have an incredibly dangerous, you know, crazy. It's, it's mental. There, it's just like the Hermit Kingdom. You, everyone knows. And then South Korea, look how amazingly successful it's been. You know, yeah. I'm looking at this screen with a Samsung monitor. You know, with yeah. half of the things in this room are made in. They make in all South the Korea. all the fucking uh, container ships in the world as well in Korea. You know, they're pretty much all made in Korea. It's That's an amazing yeah. success, yeah. really. And it's mm, so so. War? Hmm? What is it good for? And my god, the barbecue. The barbecue, Korean barbecue is so good. <laughs> oh my so god. To yeah. give you guys some idea, in the Korean War, about a hundred and nearly around two hundred thousand people died and half a million wounded on the sort of allies side, if you like, the you know, the the West. And then about maybe a million people on the sort of North Korean side, about the same amount wounded, 2.5 million civilians killed. Uh, and honestly, honestly, don't think people talk about Korea. Certainly, maybe in America they do, but Vietnam had a much bigger impact, it, it seems to well, me. Well, it was so controversial. I mean, and, it, was, uh, like, but- it, it, it was the first time, really, that there was like a, 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 a massive you know, revolution, like, around it and stuff too, right? Like, But it's was- weird, it's weird, isn't it? The two wars very close together in terms of when they happened and very similar in theme, but in different, you know, the difference was in the way they were fought, I guess. Like, uh, yeah. one was more of a traditional, if you like, conventional kind of war. That The fact maybe that Vietnam was this drawn-out guerrilla war that seemingly went nowhere and people were just sent over there, died, and nothing really changed, that that sort of was one of the factors, or was it... Was Vietnam opposed more because of the, a change in the the mentality of the sort of youth culture, that hippie culture, that counterculture came in, and the civil rights era and everything? Was that yeah. what kicked off the opposition to Vietnam? Because why wasn't there the same opposition to Korea? They were materially quite similar wars for very similar reasons and between very similar opponents. Like I just think it's strange. I, really. I think I, I think uh, in Vietnam you had a lot of um, like war correspondence, um, a lot of, of a lot of coverage that w- might have been different as well. You know, like I think 
Whereas in the world wars, there was there was a lot of press censorship around the kind of stuff that they could report and the things that they could say. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if that extended to the Korean War, but in Vietnam, certainly there wasn't any real press censorship. So reporters could go over and just call it as they saw it sort of thing. So like whilst the military was trying to weave this huge tale about how well they were doing and how close they were to winning and, yeah. and everything. The reporters were coming back and saying, what the fuck are these guys talking about? It's a mess over there. Like nothing is happening. Nobody is gaining territory or anything conventionally. It's it's a mess. Like people are dying all the time. Nobody even knows who the enemy is and stuff. And, and I think once people started realizing all of that stuff, it, that's when they really started questioning, like, why are we over there? You know, like the average American had never even heard of Vietnam before, like as a country, knew nothing about it. Yeah. And then they just sort of started saying, well, what the fuck? Why are we over there? What are we doing? Like, what's, why is it so important? Like, and they'd always just come back and say, well, because we don't want communism to spread. And I guess like, fair enough, but I, I don't think it was enough in the end to convince people. I think, I think everybody just got really fucked off. Just with make it. more shit. Make and sell more shit. That's how you convince people. Private Dave Gordon woke up in his tent. <laughs> it was a dark night, as always. <laughs> Just, uh, the enemy could be anywhere. Are you reading this or making it up? He's making it up. Let him go. Wait, an ex an he heard an explosion in the camp and quickly got out of his tent without even time to put his pants on. He held his gun and bullets flung, flied around him, killing his friends. But as always, he survived somehow, strangely death avoiding him. Oh. Later on that month, he was standing with his pants on in a lake, <laughs> holding the dog tags of his dead companions, when a sudden shimmering of light appeared next to him, and a skeleton in a robe holding an hourglass in front of him appeared. Oh, Dave, said Death, it is you I, I quit. I found this hourglass, and it must have rolled under my desk. Dave said, I knew that my time was limited here, but thank you, Death. I'm sorry that I have to go now. <laughs> Goodbye, said Death. Goodbye, said Dave Gordon. Death, Goodbye. Death turned to Dave and said, I will allow you to write one last letter to anyone of your choosing. Who will it be? And Dave said, my mother. And Death said, begin writing. So Dave <laughs> opened up. Dear mother, here I am with Death in Vietnam. Lol. Happy face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, also filled in because he had the chronad on. Yes, yes, that sounds awesome. Just had to, just had to hit tab I would and love to do in. that! Exclamation mark. Yours forever, Dave. Dave. Uh, P.S. Uh, death is coming for you next. <laughs> for fuck's oh, sake. P.S. Death says you're next. Smiley face, Lord. <laughs> oh, Fucking hell. Shit. All right. Well, that is the Trifles podcast today, guys. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. We love you all, dearly. Goodbye. Bye. I love you lots. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.